when I ended up working on the Spice Girls tour. Oh, yeah. Because I'd always loved the Spice Girls when I was younger. I was just like, I never thought I'd have ended up working on the Spice Girls. Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? This week, I am joined by Jana Bannon, a costume maker, who studied costume for the performing arts at London College of Fashion. After graduating, she worked in the ladies' workroom at the English National Opera as a costume maker and later went on to become a freelance cutter and maker. Over the last Last 13 years, Jana has worked on many operas, West End musicals, fashion shows, and in TV. Jana also works in the music industry, sewing for a range of artists, from Spice Girls to Rihanna, and has worked as wardrobe touring with acts such as UB40, David Gray, and Steps. She has most recently been working in the principal costume workroom on seasons three and four of The Crown on Netflix. Hi, Jana. Um, Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> we met. Um, I think actually, I was thinking about this, 10 years ago on the pattern cutting course. But I'm going to start by asking what your job is. I'm a costume maker for live events, theatre and screen. Nice. I was very, um, like, <laughs> everything, I think, actually. Because I, yeah. I was going to say, actually, no, you've done this as well, Janet. You've done this as well. Because <laughs> you've encompassed it all together. Um, what does being a costume maker involve? Because I, um, I know, like, I in previous podcasts, I've used the term maker quite frequently and actually haven't really described what it's meant. So as someone who's a maker, if you could um, sort of, summarize what that job involves so you, it's realizing the design so whatever any someone's going to be wearing it's um if you're making it you're actually making it from scratch so from someone's measurements to turning the fabric into making the actual garment that you also pattern cut as well which is why I mentioned earlier we met on a pattern cutting course but mm-hmm. you, you can also cut as well and yeah. that is a slight that's making and cutting are linked obviously but um what does cutting involve pattern cutting involve so pattern cutting is using so you get the measurements of your performer or whoever you're making something for and then you use those to develop the the pieces which are going to be then be sewn together to create the garment so lots of people that might have done home sewing or they might have um, in school done sewing it's basically creating those paper patterns that you buy in the little envelope and but when you're doing pattern cutting within a more bespoke way you're um, making it specifically for that person's measurements and then um, to fit them Ah, and um, you've worked at different in different sort of aspects of the costume world, making, cutting, but not only um, theatre and opera, but also musicals, um, TV, and you've also done like as you said, live events. Um, you started off at the ENO, um, correct? Uh, yeah, that's where my main. I did a few freelance things before that, but that was where my main kind of introduction into the career was. And you were making there, weren't you? Yes, I was in the ladies' um, workroom there. And it was a really valuable time because I think being part, especially when you're new to the job, I think being part of a workroom, you just I just learned so much stuff. Everyone's got their different tips. And just seeing how the um, whole process worked with... Because it's one thing knowing to make the costume, but because when you're involved in a theatre like that, you're also involved in rehearsal, so you see 
the way the costume actually needs to work on stage. So then that makes you think as a maker about what fastenings you put on or yeah, how something's put on or how it's going to work in the in the in, context in reality. of the performance. Yeah. yeah. And also you were making for opera singers as well. So um, how, I guess you were taking into account, I guess breathing for them is important for all of us, obviously, but um, yes. breathing for them and having that sort of capacity, I guess, for their lungs, is that something that also was quite taken into account when making costumes? Oh, yes, definitely. So even from the beginning, when you take their measurements, we take their measurements when they expand um, as well, because you need to, it's very personal as well, because some of them, like, like say a really tight corset to kind of, they use that to sing against, whereas other people don't want the restriction. And then also a lot of them don't want um, things too tight around their throats um, or too high up, because they find that restrictive too. And um, also, not so much for what, what I do, because I'm not really doing it. It's more probably for the people doing hats. But some costumes, they don't like anything that's going to restrict their hearing, so around their ears. But it's quite personal, because different people can put up with different things or have different things over them. Yeah, I was going to say, the ways they work, or the way they yeah. work with the costume. Um, so you were in a workroom at the ENO, um, and so you were making, but and then if you sort of, so you would have been given the pattern by the ladies cutter, I imagine, and then that would be given to you to then make up. Yeah, that's right. Usually in a workroom, you'll have like the cutter and they're the person that will have worked with the designer and come up with, like I explained before, worked out how the piece, the garment's going to be made. And then there's different levels of maker then within the workroom. And I was the least experienced maker in the workroom then. And then over time, built up my skills and, yeah, worked my way up there. Then you ended up sort of setting up your own making, I would say business, I guess. Yeah. I was, freelance yeah, maker. Yeah, freelance yeah. maker. That was all through, again, I guess because of when I left DNO, I think I'd made, that's another good thing about being part of a workroom. I'd, I'd met a lot of supervisors and designers and other makers along the way. And then, so therefore, they've already got a relationship with you and are willing to they know what what your strengths are or they know that um your personality I guess so they can trust you to give you start they knew I was reliable and committed and so yeah they started giving me making projects and then obviously because of when you're um, freelance people that are freelance working at like the opera they also work in musicals so then it all kind of yeah spirals opened up yeah yeah which is nice I've really I love the variety of all the different types of production and costume you get to make it doesn't get boring yeah I can imagine that the times I have I've kind of come over and sort of seen what you've been doing it's been pretty um there's loads of variety I think one mm. time I came over doing like this I can't remember the musical but it was all sort of American flags oh American flag oh I think that sounds like singing in the rain because was well, it stripy it was. like red and white shorts yeah it was stars yeah it was on, um like sequiny waistcoats yeah Singing in yeah, the that rain. was the singing in the rain. And then there's a bit like you get so much variety. That must be really nice because you get to work with different fabrics and different. Mm. Uh, they're used for different projects, so whether it's musicals or operas. And then you've also done, um, like you said, live events. Now that mm. is quite um, a big, broad term. But as someone <laughs> who's gone from like making and cutting, what does your role? What does your role evolve in the live events world? Well, in the so that with the um, live events, like in music stuff, I first of all. Again, the link was with making because I'd go and do um, be a seamstress um, 
say an artist was at the O2 for a couple of days, I'd go and help there with any sewing for the costume team there that was needed or um, there was one thing I worked on and the tour was going to, I can't remember what country, but it was going somewhere after it'd been in London and it was somewhere where they couldn't, they had these backless shirts, but where they were going, they weren't couldn't show flesh. So then I'd go in and make new shirt or readapt new shirts that would be more concealing, covering. And um, so it started off like that. And then for a friend actually from college who knew I'd been working in that sort of stuff, she was um, on a tour, going on a tour, and she wanted someone to take someone. It was a it was a tour that's going to have a lot of a very costumey tour and lots of like hot stones and like she wanted someone that could sew to go on the tour and then that opened up that side of things but that was a more theatrical kind of costumey tour and um, because it was with like a hot bandy type thing but with other tours that I've ended up working um other bands and stuff since often when you go when you're on wardrobe you're the only I mean you're you know if you're doing something for a more modern person who's not wearing like a costume it's more like Every day. Their, yeah, every day yeah. clothes. You're getting their clothes prepped. So then you end up, on uh, along with that, you're kind of doing some production assisting. You know, when you get to the venue, kind of sorting out the rooms, what room's going to be what. And, yeah, liaising with stuff to do with catering and, and stuff like that. So it's that's kind of different to being a costume maker, I guess. It's quite different. But that was my link into doing that sort of side and I'm still there in a wardrobe role but just as a it's a different kind it's less I guess creative kind of job but I really enjoy the there's a live buzz you get from because each when you're touring each day you're at a new venue so you have to like reassess how you're going to run that show or your side of things from that show in each different space that you're in and some you've got luxury of space some you haven't some you know there's all different um restrictions so and, and also you're packing it up and putting it away every day so I think I quite enjoyed the buzz and of, of uh, and the I guess the little challenge of trying to you know getting the show on and off every um, every night yeah every night yeah. every night and um I and I guess before I'd done any of that kind of work I really didn't know because with the with the pop tour that I did that was like when you're doing an arena tour like that the crew are setting up the stage at each venue across the country you wake up in another place and they've got to build the whole stage that day for a performance that night and oh, I crazy I've never really known that side of the world of the industry I never really knew and I went to a concert I'd never really thought about the fact that that whole like, side of it exists yeah. yeah and then and then just you know I mean I geek out on this sort of stuff but I just found it fascinating the and um, just the whole how it all got packed on the trucks and like how they transport it all around and the whole logistics of it all it's all it was another world which uh, yeah which I've, I've only really dipped my toe in it really but what I've been in it I've really yeah I really enjoy I just like the variety of this job brings because it's costume I started as a costume maker but you know it all kind of overlaps and works together and keeps it interesting yeah and no day's the same I guess is it or no week is the same no. in this world is it that's kind of been the running theme every day is yeah. a different sort of challenge and or in a in a positive way as well yeah yeah it keeps you it keeps keeps it doesn't get boring it keeps no it, um, definitely how have you found the difference in say because also you've gone on to do um you work in a workroom for a television show as well mm-hmm. and 
I think I'm, I think I can say I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's the, cr- the crown because yeah, 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 I have to double check because I'm allowed to say it right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. For the crown, which is pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like it's a, a really well loved series. And mm. how have you found what are the differences from say working in in an opera background or theatre background, and then working uh, also for yourself, and then to working in a sort of workroom for TV or film? Yes, yeah, the um, I guess. It, it has been it has been different it's um I mean it's been a really nice variety of things to make on the crown because you've got um there's lots of the tailoring but there's also loads of really gorgeous frocks so it's been a nice variety but it has been because it's a longer I think I'm used to shorter contracts or like projects overlapping so at one time I could be working on like a, a like a Victorian dress and I've also got some showgirl costume going on you know so it's usually a lot more variety whereas that was the longer stint on doing the same type Style. of stuff yeah. yeah repeatedly but I mean I think the same being and it's kind of as being in the workroom at ENO in terms of um you've got that system again where you've got a cutter and then you've got the makers and there's um the roles are more split up than maybe what when I was doing my own making I was doing like all the roles kind of into one and then obviously I had people help me as well but um yeah I think um in in terms of how I was working as a freelance maker to working in the workroom it's uh, there's a more structured day and um you can kind of leave the day there at the end of the day whereas yeah um yeah when you're working from your own base it's a lot more um it's less structured I guess because I guess also you're more likely to be spending more time on something because it's it's your thing like it's your it's in your space your you that kind of like nine to five kind of goes out the window I guess when yeah it's and because you you're juggling a few things you're kind of um, balancing different things so yeah you just kind of get involved in it and you know it's just a different kind of I guess um structure so I'm going to circle back to the beginning and ask how you actually got into the uh, after graduating how you got into sort of the costume world because I think again another thing has been on previous conversations I've had with people on the podcast is actually just getting your foot in the door can be difficult in this industry like with a lot of things but again with this industry just getting your foot in the door is sometimes a bit difficult so you've done really well for yourself as well like you've been working for 13 years yeah and you've variety of things how easy or hard or what did you do from after graduating or whilst also being at uni to then that then led you into the costume world yeah I think um I I did a lot of and I'd always advise this I did a lot of work experience in college and then I kept in touch with those work experience people while I was at college like I'd invite them to my show and so even though they didn't really necessarily respond it when I was then applying for work I think my name had just been on their radar a bit but when I my first when I graduated my it was actually my tailoring tutor gave me was my first call she called me um to help her on a couple of weeks on an opera she was working on and then I think I did a Terry Pratchett film at Pinewood Studios and that was um I think that had been we'd been contacted through the college for that because they wanted uh, you know graduate level level people graduate level people in but then then I alongside working for my old tailoring tutor I was freelancing at um, English National Opera who I'd done my work placement with in college so that was my in from doing my work placement in college and then um, 
getting a little bit of freelance work here and there and I think the more they got to know me and I think they saw I was interested and wanting to learn and I was kind of dedicated and then after a little while they offered me a six-month contract and then it kept rolling on from there Mm. and then in terms of how you get into the industry once I was there and like I say you've met people and it just once you get into that bubble but I you know I am grateful to them because um, even in terms of my freelance stuff it was supervisors from there that were trusting me and giving me you know I was I I wasn't that I hadn't been doing it for that long and especially cutting they you know took a leap of faith and gave me a chance to see what I could do and through them doing that then other supervisors would see what I'd done or or would they'd recommend me to them and yeah it, it all kind of I've been very lucky it all just kind of um yeah, luck and a lot of has, hard work and talent. Yeah, I've worked hard well. too, but also lots of people work hard. It, it just did all uh, come together. Yeah it, just, yeah, it all just seemed to fall together um, nicely. So, yeah. And then how, um, like you, you just touched upon it there, um, it, obviously the supervisor and designers trusted you to kind of realise their vision. Um, mm. How important is communication? Like what is it that's required between when, a, say, a designer gives you a design or you're in the fitting to then realise that design? or designs that you're they've given you I think it's so important communication because sometimes you know you have to really listen to what they're saying like when you go to a design meeting because sometimes they might draw something but from when they did their initial drawing which is what they're handing out there might be more discussions with the director which actually means it's going in a certain direction and I think yeah you have to you read between the lines because sometimes I think like all of us when you're explaining stuff through words or through um, drawings to really get across what you're trying to say sometimes you can't quite get there or you don't know necessarily what's achievable so I think it's just yeah this community really is communication because then you know from the beginning like I know when I go away and I start trying to draft a pattern for trying to get it along the lines of I don't know they it might be something period but they don't want they want it to have a more fashion edge and not be so strictly period or they might really want it to look period so then you know like with like angles of or positions of seams and you know shoulder seams or waist seams and stuff so it's really important to get that communication right and I think the projects the, the ones I've been most pleased with the result or I think it's worked best is when there has been that communication and also communication with the artist because although the design is up to the designer the artist if they're having especially the singers and a bit with dancers as well if they're having to perform in it you know you might want it to look a certain way but if they keep telling you well I can't lift my leg like this you know if they if they've got to have that confidence in you too because and you've got to try to it's getting that balance sometimes of like I'm in a fitting sometimes and the designer will be being very strict they want one thing but then the artist is standing there telling me something else that they're feeling wearing it and then you have to try and get that balance where for the artists it feels like what they're telling you like you've 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 worked with that whereas the designer is still getting the visual that they want yeah yeah it's communication and if you're all working together like that it that's when it works best successfully what has been the most exciting challenging challenging in a good way someone's given you a project and you've been like how am I going to do this and then it's been like the most amazing kind of journey yeah I think that exactly what you said that when when you look at it in the beginning you look at designs and you don't know what you're you know you, you know I know always know I'll get there in the end but some designs I'll look and I think I don't know how I start with that and um I think those are the times that are the 
the best journeys. But there was one particular opera which all of the costumes, I mean, it was a visual feast. It was, um, well, I can say it's called Aknaten. That was a British national opera. And I mean, it's one of my favourite, it's a Philip Glass opera. It's one of my favourite pieces anyway to watch, but I'm probably biased because I've been involved with it from the beginning. (laughs) But I mean, it was one of, it's probably still now one of the most proud projects I've been part of because it was such a nice collaborative process with with the with the designer from the, it really evolved um with him and then also like there's a lot of work with the dye department with they were doing breaking down and an artwork on top of some of the bits of the costume it was a very creative you know creating it wasn't like your typical oh, I'm making a jacket it was kind of you know there were frames involved but it wasn't a typical um it's this period frame it's kind okay. of um you know the, the, there were the initial designs but then you know you, when you're working with the proportion of the size of the artists or the fabrics there were so many it was really creative in terms of working with the fabric you know rather than like say it's pleated like letting the pleats behave how they were how they were falling and that mm. dictated and in fact whenever I work with that designer he's called Kevin Pollard whenever I work with him he's he is very he really uses the fabrics he lets them kind of dictate what's going to like and the proportions it always works really well and he, he creates really visually exciting shapes and yeah it's a challenge because it's not your typical oh I know what I'm doing if someone gives me a bodice or gives me a jacket or a pencil skirt you know it's quite straightforward you know what you're doing but his drawings are all a bit awful stuff I've worked with him a lot of the time they're out of the box and they're really just sometimes really clever but just simple shapes you know just doing some circles and some rectangles sewn together in a pleated fabric but it behaves and creates and moves on the stage with this really effective I remember going to see the show and just feeling really proud of all Mm. the different textures all the different uh, yeah the decoration the shapes that I'd been like heavily involved with creating like the main principle a lot of the main principal costumes on. I think it's it's really nice when something comes together. I think about a specifically about industry it's nice that you get it's quite an immediate gratification. It's yes. quite nice. You kind of instantly see that result mm-hmm. and you have that feeling of pride. Um Yeah, definitely. Do you know that's actually another thing with your question earlier about the difference between working in like TV um or film and and live stuff and theater. I think it's that instant, like you said, gratification, that instant with theatre, you see, you've just finished working on something and pretty soon the press shots are out, the show's on stage and you can see all your work. Whereas one thing I definitely found with TV stuff and film, because it's a long time when, from when you've made the stuff. Yeah. Like when, when in the last season of the first one I was part of, The Crown came out, I couldn't even remember some of the stuff made, <laughs> which bits I'd made, and it felt like it had been such a long gap. Yeah, you know, when you when you when you've just been putting all your blood, sweat, and tears into something, and then it's I don't know, in like on a post or it's um or just you seeing it on the stage, it, it you, it's kind of like you're part of it. That buzz carries on with your. It's all part of that journey. Yeah. Whereas I think that's the different journey with screen, because you're part of this whole thing, and it's all kind of you're busy with that, and then. I don't know you don't get that kind of immediate you kind of you, you do revisit it then when there's a screening or something you're like oh yeah do you remember it's kind of like a nice look back to it but it's it I you think can't, yeah. I like the buzz of the live stuff yeah for me it's that that I get that excitement from 
the life studies of it yeah. I do understand what you mean because I remember I think we I can't remember what it was that I'd been working on and then um for whatever reason it had been almost two years until the thing came out and then I'd actually just totally forgotten that it had come out mm. like it was coming out so then when we went to watch we were like oh yeah I remember making that but yeah that, that is the thing of that I guess in theatre is so much and, and with live stuff and opera that it's much more immediate and whereas mm. TV maybe less so but with um films that depends on how quickly they get things through yeah. filming and post-production and then all the ad like marketing and all the stuff before it actually even comes out so yeah that's true I actually didn't really think about that is there a difference in how you make um in compared to say theatre and then say television and film because there's a perspective difference I guess with theatre you're watching you're sitting in the audience watching something live in front of you whereas with um, film and TV it's obviously on a screen so whether it's in your home or in cinema yeah I mean I always um, say this because for me personally I'll always try and make to the highest standard whether I'm like that I can or whether I'm making it for theatre or making it for screen that being said definitely with when you're doing stuff for um, screen, the the focus, the camera's mainly around um, their face, sort of the shoulders area. So definitely, and those details are going to be seen in a much closer high definition. So yeah. definitely, you know, there's things you couldn't get away with. But I think I, I, I always do like to say when people ask this that I do personally, I'm, I'm going to be trying to do things as well for both. But you do need to be more aware of that sort of thing and that your priority has to be concentrated on that area. Whereas I think in theatre things, it's maybe more the silhouette um, and everything. You're going to see that whole look. So sometimes all the pernickety little details with trim and stuff, you've got to think of how they all work together for the overall effect. Because even the closest person to stage is pretty far away from you yeah yeah and also like when on screen the like they could be wearing the costume for a moment and Mm this it goes from you see a long shot of them you see the full thing but then it goes like you said to their face maybe or then there's a a scene change and they're wearing something else so because on a screen you see probably less of what they're wearing maybe and that compared to a theatre where they're is is constantly in front of you what the person is wearing so that's also another thing with theatre is there when you're making something for screen it's probably going to be worn like for a few hours or it's not you know going to be worn whereas in theatre they've got to wear that like you know seven shows or eight shows a week and it's not just going to last the run of that cast it can go on for years the costumes and different people are going to wear it so they need to be made also a bit more heavy duty whereas maybe if I'm making something more delicate a delicate dress for for both um, types of things the screen you've got you're going to want it to be delicate because you don't want it to anything to be too heavy on it whereas you might have to put some sort of heavier fastening on a theatre thing because it's not going to be seen from the audience but it's got to you know it's got to last a lot longer so over the years if you see some costumes like especially um, ballet that's been going for like decades you when you look at the costumes up close they're like I mean they're amazing they've got this amazing history of everyone that's worn it but they're you know there's loads of darning there's loads of and from the audience they still look amazing whereas I guess you wouldn't get away with that (laughs) a costume that that old on camera because that's true if you've got a little hole you're going to see it on camera whereas you can fix that on um that's true the the theatre 
and also that I guess with um, the number of shows that they're doing, also the turnaround, like after what someone's worn it for the actual show, there's like a cleaning, whether it needs to be cleaned or if it's something that like, can exactly. be cleaned. And then there's like a quick turnaround. Likewise, if there's a quick change or and then there's just a hole in something, then there's not necessarily the time to fix it. Yeah. It kind of has to be worn pretty immediately. Yeah. And I guess in theatre too, you have to preset things because if people are going to do a quick change, and by preset, I mean, say someone's going to have a, they're going to have a bow tie on something you might you rather than in, in a film thing you might um or a screen thing you might you know they might use a normal one like a, you know it's, it's made done how you would usually expect it to and tied and if if something's sitting a bit funny on someone on on um like say a dress or an opening you might stitch them up a little bit on um you know to make it sit nicely mm. for a screen thing whereas again in theatre you can't do that if they're changing and they've got like 60 seconds before they're on stage for the next thing they need to be able to put it on and it looks like it's been done up a certain way but actually yeah. might have baked you know for the quick change or made yeah, it easier for true. them to, to dress in the time so that's yeah. another difference yeah that's true because I remember working on something where I was looking after someone and on set and they had to be stitched into this costume every mm. every time and I was like it's fine because yeah. you have the time to do it and you knew yeah but you can't do that in a live no yeah no so that's that's another thing as well I know you mentioned Philip Glass and and Agnaton was was one of the most enjoyable proud moments of your working career Mm -hmm. have have there been any other highlights that you've kind of been like oh wow I mean there's highlights for different reasons like 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 that Philip Glass one was highlight in terms of creatively in terms of actually the physical job but um you know there's like with the music stuff like I know I've already told you before but like when I ended up working on the Spice Girls tour oh yeah because I'd always loved the Spice Girls and I was yeah. younger I was just like I never thought I'd have ended up working on the Spice Girls so it was quite an exciting that was like you That's know like your childhood just, dreams come true <laughs> yeah it was just kind of like and it's funny because like the pop band I mentioned earlier that was um actually steps you know like five six seven eight you know who you know who steps yeah, I don't know. I definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some people tragedy as well. I remember that. Yeah, really tragedy. Distinct. So, when my first tour was with them, and again, I remember like because I I grew up dancing. I knew all their routines. Like uh-huh. I used to do them like when I was with my friends at the discos. <laughs> so that was like exciting to get to go on their tour. Like in terms of just like oh, this is like a bit mad. But with the Spice Girls, just because I don't. It was very. It was that was a real highlight and then the, the first music or the first kind of from when I was freelance working for myself and I was working on theatre things but the first kind of so the first music thing really I did work on was for Rihanna and I remember when when I got asked to do that I just it was I mean I remember all my friends were really excited to it just was like I just thought well little old me is gonna go and work on this big American um and you know I wasn't doing anything crazy I was just going and um because of the way the Americans talk I was like they were like oh Rihanna's Taylor's here and it just all felt like it was a very exciting one I hadn't been part of that whole backstage music scene yet so just my first time because I did a few things with her my first thing was backstage at the O2 and itself so that was exciting yeah just turning up to the O2 seeing because that's again like when I said earlier that I was a bit of a geek with these things like that's one of the things I love about tours I love just seeing all the different theatres and arenas backstage and they're like yeah so in terms of not in terms of actually physically you know 
doing the job like highlights like that there's and just different places that you know like that you, you get to go with it like I guess the perks of the job it was kind of when I did Singing in the Rain went to um, Russia and I remember we wow. were put up in the most amazing hotel and I was just like this is I, I still to this day don't think I'll ever stay in and as amazing a hotel room as that room was and so yeah the, the, those sorts of bits that aren't maybe obvious things to say oh yeah I loved making this costume or I loved making this but that that's the side of it which again I guess some little perks that kind of some little buzzes along the way of the journey of, yeah especially well, at the beginning yeah um but yeah like it's a nice little um treat though isn't it because there's a lot of sweat a blood sweat and tears that go into making things yeah. as well so I think it's when it's those little perks and I think people don't really I guess when you watch something whether it be in the theatre or on TV or in the cinema you kind of don't appreciate the um level of craftsmanship unless obviously you know someone that works in it or works there. but like the yeah, like a, even before I was in the industry I wouldn't have necessarily thought about the number of people the kind of hours that go into making mm-hmm. something and also Especially- the fact no, yeah, because when you look at like a modern thing on the TV, and you know people just because they're just wearing kind of normal modern Everyday clothes. clothes yeah. People I don't just don't. When I've spoken to people, you know, who don't who who will ask about the job, and then they might just I don't know something will come up, and and they'll be like, "There's a costume team on that," and then they don't seem to understand why there would be anyone sorting costumes. It's like, well, those people still have to wear like it's a character wearing something yeah. they don't turn up to work and wear their own clothes they're being, yeah. they're being a character and and actually with that modern stuff that's a real skill for designers creating stuff because costumes not just you know your big tutus and you know it's it's real Period. Like, creating, yeah. if you can really make someone um believe that they're looking at um you know just uh, a believable character a, a believable, person, yeah, yeah. Someone, like a guy an 18 year old in 2020 then you've done your job as a designer too because you know they've they've had to um put them in something uh, that's the whole I think there's like, a whole load of um, magic of costume and, and and makeup and everyone involved and and it's so everyone everyone in crew but like just in our aspect of it it's the whole magic of it because it, and and also I think for the performer too when they're in their costume I think they really it helps them become the character and again yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean because they're going to be dressed up as a monster they could, if they're just being dressed up as a as a I don't know accountant kind of, or something yeah <laughs> exactly exactly it helps them they'll feel like um this is what an accountant would wear yeah exactly they feel no, it is true though because like, it's the I guess it's easy for us to when we all think of costume it's easier to think of the period stuff or the kind of fantasy stuff but actually yeah, a lot absolutely. of what we watch is very current um yeah so I'm watching I don't know if you so I'm watching just in a current example I'm watching a show called Normal People on iPlayer BBC iPlayer it's based on a book and I was just noticing that it's all set in the now in present yeah. day but just the small sort of touches of the way that the designer I haven't just seen the designer's name but the way they've kind of chosen certain color choices or they've chosen a certain um, height of jeans and it sounds really silly like when I'm saying it but they no, all, it, it the, all makes a difference yeah makes, and it's the sort of thing people won't notice but if something's wrong they will notice yeah. it and I think that's often a theme of costume if someone notices something about the costume that's some unless it's obviously oh it's a beautiful big cinderella frock but if it's um just you know normal kind of costume if people are noticing it then there's a problem because that means it stood out whereas it's not part of the story telling yeah no I totally agree with you because if it went if it was a bit odd you'd be like oh I don't know how I feel about that 
what she was mm. he or she was wearing but no I think there's a real like you said I think it's a real skill about making something look believable and allowing you to believe that you're in that world with them mm. so I think it's a, a real skill like you say so we are coming to the end of the podcast but mm. before we say goodbye I did ask you to think of some tv shows films stuff you would recommend to people that are your favorite things to watch did you I know you have had a chance yeah. to think about it so yeah if you let us know what they are okay well just starting with theatre, my two, I had two for this. One was one, my answer to everyone when they ask about theatre, and these are things I've not worked on, so I'm not being biased. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to say it. But War Horse was always something I say to people because, I mean, I almost don't want to watch it again because it was had such an impact when I watched it that I feel like if I saw it again... Have you seen it? I have. It is amazing. Oh, you, like, I was going to say, what did you think? Because... For me, I'm not a massive animal lover. Like, you know, I don't, you know, don't wish them any harm, but I'm not like, uh, you know, it's not like, a, you know how you can imagine maybe some people, it would affect them, but the puppeteers are so incredible. Like the the way that I fell in love with that horse and like, I really felt emotion for, it's one thing an actor making you feel emotion for them, but watching like, like a horse, like just yeah. with people operating, it's like you're watching people operate a puppet, but you actually forget that and you form some sort of um, connection with that horse. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, that's that's that. But then also recently I went to see cellist ballet at the Royal Opera House and it's part of like a triple bill, I think. I think it's like a short one. But I don't know if, if do you know Elgar's cello concerto? I've heard of Elgar. Probably Elgar. Well, he's, well you probably recognise it if you yeah. heard it. It's like quite a famous piece and it's like one of my fa- I mean, I I was in a I used to play the violin in an orchestra when I was um at school and we that's when I first came across this piece when we played it and I it's just such I love the music and then when I heard they were doing this ballet I thought oh I'd like to see it and anyone that loves ballet or like I just that kind of music it the way the choreography and the dance but he he's playing the cello and the way he again a bit like what I was saying about the horse like the choreography the way he dances as as the cello is kind of and oh I should say it's based on Jacqueline Dupre who's a famous cellist who I mean she's she's the one you'll have heard playing this piece of music like if you hear it she's one of the um okay. she's a really famous cellist but she her career was cut short I think when she was like maybe 28 or something because of she got multiple sclerosis oh, wow. and so she just stopped performing and it's just really beautiful kind of choreography so yeah, yeah they're they're like they were my two theatre things and then in terms of film and TV stuff, me, with, with theatre, I think it's all visual like that, like, I really pulls me in. But with um, film and TV, it's the story. I really like a good story, like, one that makes me think. So my um, TV thing, Line of Duty or Argo. I love that show. <laughs> Which one? Like, Line of Duty? Line of Duty. I had, yeah. I've seen one of the seasons of Argo. I need to catch up on this current season. But Line of Duty, and it's so underrated as well. Yeah. I feel like people don't appreciate it. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know why that is. I think there was a time more people spoke about it a little bit but yeah I just think it's so clever and you you can't I like when you can't second guess what they're gonna do Mm. and that sort of thing I really yeah um really enjoy I think it's I mean still now like it's all the way they've linked the stories because I think sometimes things go on for too many sorts um series and then it's a bit like you can feel they're trying to just drag out yeah where this almost feels like they'd always planned for it to be this many series because like, there's just so much that's and you thing. just don't know who the good guys are who the bad guys are yeah, that's the thing. Think, so it's hard to know who which because you know some usually you can kind of get on board with a certain side but 
like yeah trust yeah. is good but the other thing I noticed about also as you mentioned about the series thing is that sometimes they'll mention something in say series one and then they'll never come back to it even if it's gone on yeah. for like but with this yeah. like you said I think it's, they've really thought about it like, yeah it's been well put they'll mention back or they'll refer back to it or they'll kind of solve that yeah um, which I really like I'm I'm on board with your choice <laughs> good, good. you said our girl as well didn't you yeah I mean that again I think that's just the story of that's always it's it's it's, in, it's interesting and and I guess because of like the whole war aspect of it you got or you kind of don't you don't know what's going to happen but like this last series I've, I think every episode I've just cried my eyes out and I think it's got that drama and the story to kind of keep you captivated but there's also just this real human kind of I really relate to her as a just like oh. I guess someone yeah and her like I just I really feel her emotion with her when I watch it like I I'll like like I say I'll cry cry for her and like I know so many people that watch it and they love the show and they kind of are really on board with her character yeah so she's a really good character and I think this is her last series though so I wonder yeah what's gonna happen and you had I've got another one for your tv show which I'm totally oh yeah I had in between oh yeah yeah because (laughs) do you know what I always forget how how funny that is and because it's just so like I don't know about you but it's just so how guys at school were yeah and like you know when you hear them say certain things and like even as like older you know you kind of like forget about things or whatever and like oh I don't watch it Praders but I guess during lockdown it seems to have been on um, TV yeah I've this, oh, I keep catching it and like it doesn't it doesn't fail to make me laugh like there's so many <laughs> things that I actually you know when you see something loads and loads of times and you know what's going to happen and you just you don't laugh but it, I still laugh like and like noise comes out when I laugh kind of thing it's still like it's just like yeah, I just think no matter what happens, like whatever, like people, especially boys, like at school, that that, that is going to happen. Like they're not going to suddenly, no matter how like the world moves on, like <laughs> people gonna are always going to be. <laughs> yeah, like you know, just, I think just guys sound oh, and girl, like everyone, but like, unkind to each other, but also trying to brag to each other, and then like just awkward. And it, I just love. I just think they're great. I think it's very relatable to do like in a way yeah. I think it's relatable to all of us to a degree that kind of anxiety and yeah the see of it all in a way as well I yeah think. but there's like an innocence and it's not too like even though they're talking about some things that like I don't know a bit you know I don't know I, I, like yeah but it's still it's like in a human way so it makes it kind of you know some films maybe it's a bit unnecessary or maybe a bit like some of the stuff that goes on you're like oh no but it it's okay because it's like it's just real and you know when they brought the, one of the films out that was actually like this is like my my family's kind of like funny story with it but like my um, brother-in-law when he I'd gone to school with him but he, when he first met our families and met my parents um we went to the cinema and watched that bit in between no. the TV and we were everyone we were all kind of like why are we doing like I don't know how this is like he's got to meet our parents watching a film about got my adolescence kind of like it was kind of like yeah it's just funny but it's kind of like that makes me laugh too about in, in between is it's just I think all ages can relate to it because everyone's been that age before it's yeah. very relatable and it's like you said it's very human as well I think which mm. is the, the niceness about it and you had again another another choice I approve of for your film it was Dirty Dancing which um you know some people may judge but no. That is one film. No matter how many times I see it, I'll love it. I'll like enjoy it, and it's the soundtrack as well. And you just know those those, those typical quotes. I like. I just, 
I don't know I just get this excited feeling too like when that that end scene comes on like I just every time stop what you're doing everyone's <laughs> watch it yeah exactly <laughs> it always like will make me smile and remember when I was younger and watched it and it's no that's a very good choice as well thank you so much Jana for agreeing to be interrogated by me <laughs> <laughs> thank you for thank you for having me <laughs> it's been really nice thank you Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the chat with Jana and learnt more about the world of costume making. Tune in for the next episode where I'll be talking to costume props and jewellery maker Fiona Barty.